This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, that's just impolite. You should hit that button, baby. This is episode number 28. In this episode, I sit down with Mike Crea of Unsung Brewing Company in Tustin, California. Mike talks to me about how he had to switch things up during COVID, how beer quality always comes first, and how taking a trip down to San Diego led him to finding Society Brewing Company, which led to the branding for his company, Superheroes. Well, believe it or not, Mike's a superhero in my eyes. Not because he secretly fights crime at night under a different alias, at least not that I know of, but that he makes tasty beer, and for that, he's an unsung hero in my heart. And he should be in yours too. With all that being said, I think it's time you sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast. And today I'm with Mike Crea from Unsung Brewing Company in Tustin, California. For 13 years, Mike Crea was making a living as an employee benefits consultant in his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. He then underwent back-to-back heart surgeries that made him realize life is way too short and you have to live your dreams. With that in mind, him and his wife, Christy, packed their bags and moved to Southern California. He started volunteering with Jared Larson at Tustin Brewing Company. He then attended the Siebel Institute in Chicago, graduating from its Master Brewer program, entered some beers of his in contests, and won some medals. With that, he was on his way to opening Unsung Brewing Company in Tustin, California in 2015. Mike's here with me today. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, with with everything that's happening uh, with the whole COVID situation, how have you and your company been dealing with that? And what adjustments have you had to make? Like a lot of breweries, we, we didn't really know what it meant, especially out here in California, um, when I think it was March 15th, right. when uh, everything just decided to cease and stop. You know, we had uh, batches in the tank, and we had batches scheduled on on to do in the next coming weeks. You know, we just kind of uh, took the approach from the beginning, like a little bit more aggressively. Uh, didn't want to ignore what was going on, but you know, business as usual. We had to find a way to make beer and sell beer, and so um, we quickly uh, shifted, started looking into our capabilities, what we were able to do um, within the the law and uh, with our, our license. So uh, some of those things were we started delivering inside like a 25 mile radius um, to go became huge. Um, and we also started selling direct. Um, we opened up an online channel so that people could make orders, uh, which really helped out our, our taproom staff. They would come in and, and there would be um, a bunch of orders for them to get ready, whether crawlers or four packs right, right. and um, get them out. So, you know, that, that worked really, really well on the retail side of things. And then um, from a distribution standpoint, you know, we have two sales reps who are, um, are self-distributed. And liquor stores were actually doing really, really well, uh, which makes a lot of sense. And so a lot of breweries decided to kind of like halt and stop and just wait things out and see what happens. And so they actually were in, in need of, of product and fresh product. And so um, it kind of worked in our favor a little bit mm-hmm. from that standpoint. I think the biggest concern or the biggest issue with us is just how normal business can fluctuate on a weekly basis. But this um, this pandemic type thing that we're going through is honestly a daily 
self-assessment of decisions and where we want to go and and how do we how do we still try to maintain some success so right yeah it's a lot of balancing trying to figure out you know which way to go at this point yeah exactly um during the process of opening your brewery from basically from the the moment you started pushing to open your brewery to the moment you opened the doors what was probably the most challenging part for you that's a really good question. I, I even though it wasn't that long ago, I think I've I've repressed a lot of <laughs> feelings or emotions. I know my wife is really quick to remind me if I'm having a rough day. You know some of the things that we had to go through and some of the speed bumps yeah. of getting open. Yeah, the small accomplishments. Um, yeah, yeah, you know the there was a, a number of them. I think that the biggest one for us was. Uh, and we've heard stories, but until you go through it, you really don't understand it. Is just working with a city and working uh, with a contractor so sometimes those things don't see eye to eye a lot of times when you're working with the city it's 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 on their time right um, right. which seems completely foreign to me i come from the private sector and my viewpoint was that we're going to open up a business and you know start paying taxes in your city and going to employ people and that's a good thing Um, but the city doesn't necessarily look at it that way so I think a lot of the hardest stuff was inspections. Obviously couldn't move forward in certain aspects of the construction without getting signed off, whether that's testing uh, concrete stability samples, um, you know, the electrical, uh, all of those things. So it's kind of like the hardest thing is just you see this this equipment that you've pretty much signed your life over to, and it's this beautiful stainless and you just you can't use it yet. You're... you're trying to shorten that waiting period as much as possible. And sometimes there's just nothing that you can do about it. Um, so I think that was difficult. And then in conjunction, while we were opening the production facility, we began construction on our tap room in Anaheim. And so we were kind of juggling both contractors, which happened to be two different ones right. in two different cities. And so, you know, the, I, I think those were some difficult times for us. And, you know, you learn a hell of a lot, but, uh, every situation is different. Um, I thought that the Anaheim one would be easier, which in, in some respects it was, but um, you're dealing with a different city and different inspection. And, and um, especially when it beca- you know it's more of a retail environment, there's a lot of things that go into that when you're going to have customers. So Yeah, I'm sure when it comes to the city too, as much as you're giving them, they still want more and more and more. So <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We'd have people come by and tell us what they wanted regarding a wall and the electrical and then a different inspector would come by after we did what was told and they said, no, that's not what should be done. We want it this way, rip it out, do it all over again. So those are frustrating time consuming and dollars uh, wasted for um, just trying to, to do the right thing to get open. How did you go about finding the capital to fund your business? A couple of different routes. Actually, I, I tried to go through um, one of the banks. I'm trying to remember, but at the time the government was doing something where they were guaranteeing small business loans okay. with with banks. Um, back in, this is probably late 2014, early 15, even though San Diego was just starting to kind of blossom and bloom with, with brewing, the cities um, and the financial industry was really, really slow to catch up. And so this was always considered um, like a startup restaurant. That was the basis that they could, you know, base off of, you know, allocating money to you or not. And so a lot of the big banks, actually most of the ones I went to, um, uh, I was denied a loan. Um, so I had a, a decent amount um, when I sold my uh, small business. 
when I used to live in Minnesota, I had a small employee benefits business. Right. I sold off that, was able to use a majority of um, all of that, I'm sorry, all of that money to get startup. And then I ended up going through the SBA for an SBA loan, which was the construction, which they needed it to be specific to that. So I lumped in both constructions into it. Um, and I self-funded myself the, the equipment. So uh, besides a uh, world-halting pandemic, what was one of the hardest adjustments you feel like you had to make in this industry? I learned a lot of lessons. Um, so when I first started, I remember thinking to myself that I'm going to brew what I like to drink, and if people enjoy it, they can hop on board. Right. And if they don't, then I don't know. My attitude was kind of like, you know, so be it. And uh, fortunately, um, I, I love IPAs. I love West Coast IPAs, double IPAs. Me too. I love lagers. <laughs> yeah. And we're out in this way. That's it, It's really hard to open a brewery and you don't make a West Coast IPA. Right. Um, <clears throat> so fortunately, the stuff I, I enjoyed drinking, the, uh, the styles I thought were, were fascinating from a brewing perspective, people people liked them. I say the harder part was losing that main that that mindset and shifting it. So I think it was after our first year, hazies became a thing. You know, from someone that goes to school, or even if you're trained by someone who's, you know, an, an old school brewer, it's kind of foreign to to brew a product like that for a number of reasons. I was one of the the people that kind of held off as long as I could. I started doing some research and reading the the brewer, my first employee that I had had on staff. We kind of started geeking out on the the science behind it right. and the challenge that it presented. And so, thank God we weren't late to the game. Uh, I think if you're late with that, it, people have kind of already picked their favorites. Um, I may be wrong there, but that was kind of what I was thinking. And so, we've been all in with uh, hazies. Um, I grew to appreciate the style and I like it and right. it definitely has a place. Um, you know, I'm not able to drink them on a constant basis, but I, I think that that was, that was challenging. And then the other challenging uh, part I, I would put just on par with that is you can't put out a product that you're not 100% on board with. You're not 100% in lockstep with that, with that beer. Right. A lot of times you brew a beer and it, you're pointing in this direction and it turns out completely different. You know, starting off, it's super easy with zero working capital to overlook this, that, and the other thing. But the the honest to God truth, we did it one time, and it people their palates are they're really good. Yeah, right. And uh, they know when a product is good, and they know when a product is is shitty. That was an important lesson to learn. And you know, our mantra here has always been like, "What's the best thing for the beer? Everything else comes secondary." So. Um, you sometimes only get one shot with people, uh, course, especially yeah. a, a small brewery like us. So, I mean, listen, it could be somebody's first time going to your brewery, and if you put out something that you're not super proud of, and it's not a, a normal customer that comes all the time, and that person tries that beer for the first time, you lost a potential customer right there, right? I mean, that's and sometimes for life, right? Right? Like, yeah. You'll, you'll like, oh, you'll no, see a logo, and you go, something about that logo. Yeah. I remember having a beer, and oh, now I remember yeah. that that beer must be shitty too so right. i know a buddy of mine is is like that and he's like oh no i'll never try that beer again you know like all right yeah well i get it you know because like they you're spending your hard working money and you buy a four pack and you're left with three beers that you're hoping you can you can um you can give to somebody you know of course and on top of that i mean there are a lot of options out there now so it's like you know you have to you have to make sure you're you're putting out the best so what do you think's uh, a quality that makes you 
a great business owner? I think our setup is a little bit unique in the sense that, you know, it's it's a lot of money to start up uh, a brewery. And so a typical scenario is uh, someone that's able to front capital and take on the mantle as the owner. And then, you know, they go and they get their chef or in this case, their brewer. I've seen in the industry a lot of times that 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 model, uh, which it does, it has and does work plenty of times. I've also seen it uh, backfire a lot because you have two people coming from two different perspectives. You got the owners that's a, a balance sheet P&L type of guy. And then you got the brewer who's saying, you know, this batch isn't good enough. Uh, I need X, Y, and Z to make better beer. I think what makes me somewhat... <clears throat> efficient is that i have the uh the brewing background so right. i understand when a, a beer is taking longer to ferment out and why that is and i kind of still geek out on the the science behind it and, and recipe formulation and all those things and so to have that kind of background and understanding um makes for a real awesome playing ground between your head brewer and the, the owner so I, I think that's uh, been very, very beneficial to us. And then on, t- on top of that, anytime I talk about the business, uh, I never say I. Um, it's, a, it's a we thing because um, there's absolutely zero chance that we'd be even at this point uh, if it wasn't for our head brewer and it wasn't for all the, the people that work for us that are doing their part to their best of their abilities. I, I refer to them as professionals. You are a professional in your position Right. And so uh, with that comes a lot of responsibilities, but we're all counting on everybody to do their part. And so uh, um, it's, it's having a little bit of patience and understanding um, and not be so, such a, have a knee jerk reaction to two things or trends and just kind of, you know, be a little bit patient on that stuff. Right. So you talk about responsibilities. Um, you're actually on the board of Orange County Brewers Guild. Is that right? uh, yeah, I, I was for two years and then my, my, my time became up and it happened to come up last month, which was kind of in the thick of COVID. And I, I turned in my slip, so to speak. How did you, uh, how did you wind up getting on the, on the board and, and what were some of your responsibilities while, while you were doing that? One of, um, actually I, I did a little research on you at one of your interviews with Brian Rosso. Um, oh, yeah. Brian was one of the first people on the board when it first started up. Really? And, yeah, I believe he's, he was VP for four years, maybe, something like that. Interesting. Um, and so he was was hitting me up, hey, Mike, you should throw your hat in the ring for to run for president. And uh, right. I, I, said, I, mean, I, said, you're, I said, you're nuts. I don't, I, I, I'm not, I don't know what I can contribute to that. And um, I don't even know if my ideas um, are going to be welcome and this and that and the other thing. And, and um, he, him and another couple people from the board later came out and said, look, Mike, the board's in, in some serious... Uh, need of help and we need some fresh blood and we do want new ideas and that sort of thing and so uh, I said okay let's do it and that that's how that kind of got started and my responsibilities I was very very passionate about membership and the benefits of belonging to the guild we have I think we've restarted this guild three different times even prior to be to when I was a working brewery, it just certain things didn't work well when they were, when it was being run, and I saw a couple of deficiencies from the outside. And one of them was I think that we need to be able to build up um, our enthusiast memberships, which is basically any beer fanatic within the county, and then of course uh, try and boost up the benefits for breweries to join 
the guild? You know, what does that mean in terms of education? What does that mean in terms of uh, fighting from a logistics standpoint and legislatively? We started looking at those, and, and my goal was to revamp all of those benefits, pretty much try and make it that if you were a beer fanatic, um, you'd be crazy not to want to join. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, that's how I looked at it. The more people we had, the, the more powerful we were, and the, the bigger our voice would be heard. Gotcha. Awesome. So, you, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Brian Rosso from, from Green Cheek, right? I'm sure yeah. you've come across many, many people in the beer industry. Is there any uh, one person or a brewery that basically inspired you the most? Is there, is there, who, who would you say inspired you the most out of anybody you've met in the industry? That's the easiest question I've ever gotten. Absolutely 100%. <laughs> um, Doug Constantino down in Society Brewing in San Diego. Okay. Um, when, I, when I moved out here, I was still in the uh, beer. I, I couldn't I couldn't get enough of styles that were originated out this way. Right. Um, and by, by world-class breweries. Like I remember driving down to Alpine once a week just to fill up growlers uh, when Alpine was still Alpine. And um, I came across Society one time on my way back. And I remember... Just I wanted to stay there. I think right. I was looking into getting hotels just because everything I tried down in San Diego at, at Society was just outstanding, right. phenomenal. And um, what I liked about Society was um, what struck me first was their branding. It made a lot of sense to me. Um, their their branding is essentially kind of like a, a, a you know like a new world um, uh, gangs of New York style, and each right. beer is a silhouette of a person in a society you know the, one was the butcher one's the pupil um one's the apprentice and it kind of made a lot of sense to me it just kind of fit nice and neat okay so yeah i started going down there a tremendous amount and i i started working on my business plan and i said wow if i open up a brewery i gotta i gotta find out who did their branding and designing and so i reached out to the owner doug i actually asked him for a homebrew recipe of the pupil, which happened to be my favorite beer at the time. Right. And, uh, he was nice enough to reach, reach back out and, uh, just kind of started a dialogue with him. And he was more than happy to introduce me to, um, the, the name of the brand, um, uh, branding company is a husband and wife by the name of, um, Sean Kelly. Uh, it's called mother sponge. Okay. And, um, that, that kind of started, uh, our conversations and Doug, the more I got to know Doug, the more I appreciated what he did. Um, and the, the built, the type of brewery he built up where, um, you know, everything matters. Um, there are no shortcuts. Beer making is not, uh, as simple as pushing buttons. It's, um, it's a long, long pursuit in trying to craft this amazing, uh, elixir. He had a ton of integrity and I, I just, I fed off of that and I said, wow, if, if he's able to do that, I, I would, I would like to try something similar uh with that that same kind of mantra yeah and so from that point on um met with mother sponge and started kind of talking with him a little bit about my likes and uh i, I landed on comics and superheroes and just seemed to be a real natural connection between the two and the sean and mother sponge actually had me do a lot of research and really he, he digs really deep into your soul because branding is supposed to tell a story and it's supposed to be true to the the storyteller right and yeah, and we, we were able to find this um, simple story of a hero's journey where uh, a hero goes 
to on a journey to the supernatural place and there's a lot of different forces uh finds a challenge defeats it and comes back to where he once started you know with more knowledge and and, and new and right. that's essentially the brewing process you, you, it's very rare we do a batch and we don't learn something uh, even at this stage so um it's a lifelong pursuit and uh yeah, so long short of answer that is 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 Doug. I absolutely love society down there and everything that they're about. Gotcha. Assume that's where the name Unsung, Unsung Hero came from? Yeah, it, it started off as Hero Beer Company, but a trademark lawyer said that we potentially could have 49 different trademarks suing us every year because of that. And yeah. so um, Mother Sponge was smart enough to kind of come up with, well, let's, do, let's use Unsung and let's use visuals that help you get to the word hero without actually saying it. Perfect. Smart. Sounds like a smart company. So, yeah, yeah. So how do you your, yourself define success? A lot of people do that on a monetary basis. Um, right. You know, the, the brewing business, you know, you can get into this business and you can have the goal of making a ton of money. Um, you just have to sacrifice some other principles. So I, I, I look at success as you know i was doing a desk job for close to 13 years suit and tie every day and i, I based everything on you know did i make enough in sales um i was strictly sales bound and mostly in like consulting right. um that business is uh, you got to really thick skin you there's way 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 more losses than gains than compared to the brewing business and then when i got into this business there really wasn't a day that I didn't feel appreciated about it and, and grateful. And so what's cool about brewing is, you know, it's a blue collar job. It's a physical, physically demanding labor intensive job and you got to be smart. A lot of things can happen in the brewery. Um, people get hurt all the time. And so you got to be smart, you got to be quick and you got to make uh, really, really quick decisions all while, lifting physical load. And so to me, the, the, the mark of success is, you know, a, when I go home, do I feel like I put in a good day's work? And then, uh, B, I absolutely love seeing people drink, uh, the beer because you know, that, that, that tells me that we're, we're, we're doing something right. And it's ultimately, uh, our customers that we want um, to hear that feedback from. And even sometimes it's just a visual feedback. It's a bunch of posts on Instagram and that sort of thing. And so, um, I, I think the, the amount of people that you can change with your company or from a branding perspective is, is a, is a good uh, mark of success. Right. I feel like in the, in the five years uh, that you've been open, I'm sure there's been a lot of stress, a lot of things to take on. How important is a mental break for you? And what does that look like? Wow. That's a great question too. And since my heart, heart surgery stuff, I, I took a lot bigger interest in my personal health and so moving to California helps that when it's super nice majority of the year. So typically work out at least once a day. I started doing different things like running, like um, high intensity workouts yeah. and that sort of thing. I so do, uh, I do the same. I love that. It's, a it's big, great. Big it's, fan. It's, it, that's one of the biggest stress relievers. Right. And, um, you know, again, you have a, a that feeling of, you know, you, you don't feel great in the beginning, but afterwards you're just like, man, I'm. I'm so glad I did this. I feel great yeah, of now. Course. It's a miser um, it's a miserable experience to feel great at the end, you know. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a good. That's a good way to put it. So uh, th that's one way. Uh, another way is 
my, my wife and I, um, we have a you know, really good relationship. We don't have any children. We got a bulldog. We like to go on trips. Well, we liked, used to like to go, the three of us. And um, California is great because there's so many places within driving distance. That's not so much as much of a, a, re- a relief for me because you're constantly worried or wondering if something's going to happen, a pump's going to burst. Anything can happen when you're gone. Of course. Um, yeah. But you know, you slowly realize that the the people working for you are are, are in those positions for a reason, and uh, they they begin to take ownership of their job, and they they begin to ha- have a pride about the job. That's important. But uh, yeah, I would say working out. I, I I like to golf. I can't I can't say that that's a stress reliever. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's still something that I like to do. At least be outside and be active. Gotcha. Yeah. You know? Gotcha. And uh, what would you say was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? There's a small brewery in in Cleveland. Actually, I, I take that back. They may not be small anymore. Right. Um, last I heard, they got sold, but uh, it was called um, the Brew Kettle in Strongsville, Northeast Ohio, and uh, they had a beer called White Raja. White Raja. And, okay. Yeah, it was. Um, my cousin and I, my cousin got into beer and he, after work, would take me to go go drink some some of these micro beers that they were called back then. And um, White Raja was the most incredible thing I ever, I ever tasted. And back then I wasn't an IPA person. Right. I wasn't an IBU guy. And um, this beer was loaded with hops, but it d- didn't have that. Um, that scratchy bitterness right. that you know lingers and so on, um, and so some of the what I learned later on the techniques that that brewer was using was a, tr- a tremendous amount of late late hop additions, um, you know dry hopping at rates that you know were unheard of um, at the time, and uh, Citra was the, the the main hop in there. There were five different hops, but Citra was the one that shined through, and I just remember. I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't ever have to drink another beer for the rest of my life. <laughs> and um, I used to end up uh, getting kegs of it, uh, six of those for my kegerator. Um, that's how much I loved it. And nice. I, I didn't need to drink anything else. And um, I believe the brewer ended up leaving from there, and another one came in, and then they sold it. And so they still sell it now on a mass, massive scale, but it uh, it's just not the same, if I remember. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. that one, and, and then obviously even before that, Sierra Nevada's Pale which is, That's, I hate saying a cliche, but, you know. Everybody says that, was, that one, though. To be honest, everybody says it. <laughs> well, it just was so out there <laughs> right. back then. Yeah, and, right. um, ahead of their yeah, time, so, right? If somebody was trying to open their own place, what advice would you give to them? <laughs> I get this question a lot. I'm, sure, I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to make a joke when I say it, but um, my, my wife's uh, got a really great job with Johnson & Johnson, Okay. Um, and there's a lot of times when you're opening up a brewery, especially without, you know, a tremendous amount of working capital, um, you don't pay yourself. And that's one of the, the things that comes along with being an owner of a company, you know, like this during this COVID, um, I haven't been, been getting paid, um, because we're doing everything we can to ride this out and make sure that the brewery is there to survive. Right. And we have a lot of responsibilities with um, our employees. We didn't, we didn't get rid of anyone. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to make sure that with all the stress going on, that people didn't have to worry about paychecks. Um, but so, yeah, that, that helped out tremendously that um, my wife was 
unselfishly willing to let me chase my dreams and uh, knowing up front what that what that meant. Um, if you have all of that covered, I would say uh, another good piece of advice is you know don't don't think that you know everything about this business or this industry. I've seen a lot of breweries start up and think it's you know it's really easy. There's a lot of um, hype around it right now. It won't be a big deal for me. I'll I'll go find the best brewer and I'll get them in there and I'll. I'll uh, I'll make the best beer, and um, that's a that's a rare thing. There's so many variables that go into that, right. um, and one of them I kind of touched on is just that relationship from owner and brewer. They have to be in complete lockstep. You know, I'm, I'm an NFL guy. It's extremely similar for the GM and the head coach to be seeing eye to eye on everything. So um, I'd say keep your ears open. Um, you can never get enough advice. Um, you know, get some people that you, you trust and that you, you think are, are, are pretty intelligent and, uh, toss some topics out and just kind of run it by them and gather as much info as you can about every single decision that you're going to make. Because, um, you know, it's very rare that no, no matter how long you've been in this business that you, you have the answer for everything. Right. Keep an open mind. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, did you have a funny story prepared for us? It was, it was three months when we actually started to, three months since we had started brewing on the production site, one afternoon around five, I just happened to glance at the thermometer on our glycol loop. And for those of you that don't know, glycol is what keeps your tanks uh, cold and at temperature. And I happened to like look at it and it, it was at 75 degrees, which is ridiculous. It's supposed to be in the, you know, 20 below uh, category. Really? Okay. And so all of our beer in our tanks started warming up. I can't remember exactly what we had in there at the time, but of course, freaking out, you know, um, ensued. And so, um, ended up calling everybody that I can possibly think of and, and ended up getting a, uh, an engineer out there and just remember all night long being there, we, him and I would just go up the stairs to the roof, down the stairs to the roof, check temps downstairs, go upstairs, downstairs, check the Freon, you know, go through all the, the processes and we just couldn't figure out what was going on uh, meanwhile i'm sitting there sit, thinking to myself i don't know when i'm able to get home you're sitting there looking at all this equipment that you just spent hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars on and you're starting to wonder and, and question yourself on what, what did i actually get myself into but i remember saying well shit we do have one beer that's ready and it's our coffee amber called propeller head i remember being like well it's got coffee in it. it'll help me stay awake throughout the night and so <laughs> one of the perks of opening up your brewery is um, you know, shit's going to fail and, um, you're, you're definitely stocked up for the evening in right, terms right. of, um, of beverages. But, the the real culprit ended up being, um, our chiller that was, was delivered from the manufacturer. They, uh, a simple mistake. Uh, they put the glycol in and glycol out stickers on the opposite ports. Right. And so it was a miracle that it worked for three months. I remember, um, when we actually, figured that that was the issue i remember one of the first comments were like i can't i can't believe that it worked and so um and we had a couple more mishaps with the the chiller from that point on but i remember looking back now and i just kind of laughed i took i remember i took a picture and put it on my instagram and i just like was like one of the benefits of opening a brewery when it's not working is lots of fresh beer so. yeah beautiful thing Beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that was stressful in that moment i'm sure there was a, a, a nice freak out moment for you 
Yeah, and I, I remember saying too, well, Mexico is not that far the border. <laughs> um, I joke around my employees all the time. I said, you know, one day you're not going to see me. I'm I'm going to have an alias and I'll be in Mexico. So. Yeah. To Tijuana, you go. Um, yep. <laughs> so I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. It's just uh, five quick questions, beer related, you know, quick answers. Okay. Ready? Let's go. All right. Uh, one of Unsung's beers that you would recommend someone try? A Metaplex, 100% Mosaic West Coast IPA. Mm. Favorite brewery other than your own? Favorite other than uh, Fieldworks. Fieldworks. Um, up in the Bay Area, Fieldworks. They know exactly what they're doing. They're All awesome. Right. Favorite style of beer? Uh, that's easy for me. Uh, Czech Pilsner. Czech Pilsner. Okay. Oh, yeah. Last beer you drank that blew you away? Oh, I know exactly. Uh, uh, Wayfinder out of Portland. They started distributing down here during COVID, and um, they pr- they make easily the best Hellas Lager I've 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 been able to have. Uh, the guy I never met him, but I heard that he's insane about his lagers, and uh, it shows in the product. Beautiful. And you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Kind of like your desert desert island beer, so yeah. to speak. Yep. Um, uh, society makes this um, pristine, elegant beer called the Harlot. Uh, it's a it's a Belgian extra, although they're calling it something else now. Um, I believe it's with French saison yeast. I'm still kind of trying to figure out. To me, it's close to the most perfect beer um, ever in terms of ABV, um, color, flavor, um, and I'm so so happy they started packaging it and sending it this way. That's what it would be for me. All right, I gotta try. I gotta try these guys now. You you raised them up, man. You raised them up on a pedestal. Now I gotta give them a shot. <laughs> uh, they're, they're just excellent, excellent brewers and excellent places to uh, to to strive for for uh, for us. Uh, definitely. All right. Well, Mike, that's all I have for you. Appreciate it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, obviously, I love talking about beer and I love talking about our brewery. And I appreciate you reaching out and uh, spreading the good word about uh, about beer and, and how awesome this industry is. Yeah, man. Me too. I I'm, I'm, I look forward to keep doing it for, for many years to come. Well, That's awesome. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast. Here with Mike Crea from Unsung Brewing Company. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Mike Crea from Unsung Brewing Company in Tustin, California. Whether you're passing through you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check him out. And also give him a follow on social media. Every other Sunday I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also give us a follow on social media, because it's just the right thing to do. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.